You're listening to the Rua Space Podcast. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Rua Space Podcast, where we help you make space for the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in your everyday life. I'm Phil, and today I'm really honored to be joined by Terry Wildman, the interpreter of the First Nations Version Bible Translation, at least the lead interpreter. So welcome, Terry. So glad to have you today. Hey, it's good to be here. I, uh, thank you for letting me come on and uh, share whatever I can with your listeners. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, one of the things you did in a different interview discussion was a land acknowledgement, and I found that absolutely fascinating, and so it, it encouraged me to go do that. And so I just want to acknowledge that here in Pinellas County, the tribe that it appears was at least further back in history that we go, about a thousand years or so, was the Toca Boga tribe. And I guess they, when the Spanish arrived in the 16th and 17th century, they were essentially all killed off, uh, sadly. And then the Seminole tribe, I guess, moved in. And so actually right down the street from me is the city of Seminole. And now, now it makes sense. All right. Well, well, thank you. Um, I, we, my wife and I live in Maricopa, Arizona. We live on the traditional lands of the, the Pima and the Tohono O'odham. Uh, so, uh, uh, I, I appreciate land acknowledgments, and um, I hope that your acknowledgement can go a little further and that you'll actually maybe visit some of the local tribal people and learn more about them face to face. And um, they, uh, most, most of our people love to tell our story. Yeah, that's one thing I'd love for us to talk about. You know, I was really excited when I uh, learned about this Bible translation because at Rua Space, we love to use all kinds of Bible translations because um, different people's perspective, language stories uh, can open up windows for us to see things from a new perspective. And so as much as I want to talk about that, I also kind of want to talk about a little about what you just mentioned, which is understanding the history of our country. But before we sort of dive into all that, could you just introduce yourself a little bit? Tell us your story and how you came to this Bible translation project. Oh my, um, I'm practicing shortening this story. But, um, you know, let me, let me give you a short um, introduction. Um, I have native ancestry. So I didn't grow up in my native culture. So I had to learn that later on when uh, Creator, I felt Creator was calling me to it, introduce our native people. Since I was a follower of Jesus, I wanted to introduce other native people to Jesus. And I felt that calling to do that, but I didn't know at that time a lot about our native people. So I went deeper in, in, into my research and, and then began to pray for connections and connections started to come. Um, and I, I started meeting some native people who were from different tribal heritages themselves. Um, I had uh, uh, someone pray over me in the uh, Diné or Navajo language, weeping over me and different things like that. So it was, it, it was really, um, you know, I, it wasn't just an idea for me. It was a something, it was something that creator, I knew he was leading me into and calling me into. So I became a, a follower of the Jesus way uh, when I was uh, just out of high school, you know, and it was through the, that early Jesus music, rock and roll, Jesus kind of uh, 
thing that I that I first was introduced to this person, this idea, this uh, uh, of who of, of Jesus of of God, but not just God as a you know um, as a uh, sort of a a big unknown being, but a very relatable person who fully represented him, and so. Um, I heard these hippie Jesus guys singing those songs and 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 giving their testimonies and and man, I was drawn to that. I was drawn to the authenticity that I was hearing at that time in their the way they presented, the way they talked. Now they did they were caught up in some Christianese language I learned later and stuff. But what really got me was the was how heartfelt their faith seemed to be and um and and I, I felt drawn to it although i didn't make any immediate decisions i i i really um i had sort of a negative view of of christians and christianity i hadn't been raised in it um you know and i we had experienced some evangelists come to our house and and some of them were pretty rough and pretty hard you know press and stuff but but anyway to shorten that part of the story, as uh, um, I grew into uh, this idea that Creator was calling me with our Native people. So I just, as I prayed and more connections came, eventually I moved to Arizona and, and got involved deeply with Native people. And eventually that led to Moving, I, I lived on the Hopi Indian Reservation in northern Arizona for five years. The Hopi are one of the most traditional people mm -hmm. uh, there are. And, and so I was learning the, the native view of a non-Christian a, a non native, how they might view Christianity. And, and I was just, it hurt and it really caused in me a crisis of faith. And what's what saved me was that I, uh, you know, not I actually studied church history, which made it worse for me. Yeah. Uh, but but what saved me was centering on who Jesus is. You know, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I I probably would never have become a Jewish person. I probably would have never converted to Jew Judaism by reading the old testament but knowing the story of jesus and seeing how jesus was with people how genuine he was how he stood against injustices he stood against religious oppression he stood against all these different things and he was more welcoming with outsiders uh than than anyone you know had been and so uh so that that drew me to him and that and that that as I centered more on him, I began to see that 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 uh, this was an understanding. All our native people have a creational understanding. Uh, we're spiritual people. Native people are very spiritual. Even many of them who have been assimilated still somehow connect in their inner being and in their consciences back to being a traditional people. Um, and as soon as I, as soon, when I began to know I was, I had native ancestry, I was drawn to it. I asked a lot of questions of my family as much as I could, even though a lot had been lost and I wasn't able to fully connect 
totally with my heritage, but I learned I was Ojibwe uh, or Chippewa, my grandpa would say. And, and I had Yaqui through my grandma out of Sonora, Mex Mexico uh, uh, ancestry. And so uh, that was part of it. But, you know, just to give a feel, um, I've been taught, I've been mentored by uh, some Anishinaabe, that's Ojibwe and Potawatomi. Anishinaabe is, is several different tribal uh, groups that speak the same language. And so around the Great Lakes region of, uh, of the of, uh, Turtle Island, we call United States and North America Turtle Island. But I'll, I'll give a greeting that I've learned. Okay. Bujuniji, Bamarazig, Gitchia, Nimiki, Manomashkiki, Manadu, Indigo, Terry Wildman, Nindishnakaz, Niminuaya, Gaye, Nimanwendam, Uma Ayayan, Nungum. So, I wish I spoke the language. Mm. And I can tell you that most of our native people today are Anishinaabe people that speak that language you just heard, don't speak it. Mm. And I can tell you that even less read it. Mm. And that's because of all the years of, of, of boarding schools and government assimilation policies and all these things that, uh, uh, Christian churches got involved with in in a kind of forcing this religion upon us. And many of us converted to Christianity only to save our families from being just totally wiped out. Hmm. And so it wasn't felt like we did it out of for many. Some had good experiences. I, I don't want to undo the good experiences. Some native people came to to faith and it's been a, it was a positive experience for them. They had good people around them that modeled Jesus in a good way, and they experienced new freedom. And they some of them abandoned the, their native way, some of them didn't. Well, what I said in Ojibwe, to get back to that, was, hello, my friends who share this life together with me. My, uh, my spirit name is given to be my by my mentors through naming ceremonies and that means a uh, voice of the great thunder with a good medicine spirit mm. uh, and so I, I i i want to live up to that name uh, in a good way to honor my ancestry um but i'm also known as terry Wildman. man <laughs> I, I said it feels good to be here in this uh, space with you today we appreciate that. And I appreciate hearing some of that story. And, you know, as you were getting into the language, and I think some people would even pick up on you were saying creator, as you were referencing um, Yahweh, or, or what is often translated as God in the New Testament. And so is it right in just saying that part of the uh, reason for the need for this type of Bible translation was for people to be able to hear the story in a way that made sense to them, in a way that connected to one's culture and history, and um, to hear the story in a more connected way. Well, I would say, uh, isn't that true for everyone? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so That's why we love the Message Bible so much, right? That's <laughs> Right. If it's true for everyone, then it must also be true for our Native people. And so, as far as I, as far as we knew, with all of our research and everything, a native a translation in English, because most of our native people, not over ninety percent, do not speak or read the language. Um, there needed to be a, a translation 
that related more to them. Now, it's not saying that Native people can't just read a regular English Bible. And many of them do, and they're happy with that. And some of them, some of them might say, we don't need a Bible like this. Some of them have told me that. But I can tell you that over 90% have told me just the opposite. Mm. They've told me, wow, this has made such a difference in my life. To hear it with these words, to hear it in this way. I had, I had a person who's been, who was a, a believer in Jesus for, uh, for probably 15 years. She was in ministry on a staff, on staff uh, with an with a evangelical organization. And when she heard just the Lord's prayer in, in, this, in this thing, she says something happened to her. She says something that was not integrated in her inner being came together. She was crying when she told me this and this lady was in her 30s, you know, so she'd been at this a long time. So I know it's not for everybody. Not everybody's going to appreciate it, but I'm getting so much feedback of the opposite of how much it's appreciated by our native people. But even beyond that, it's non-native people are are beginning to, to, to give us feedback. There's just that was surprising in some ways to me. But also, um, our Native people uh, have not been valued in this culture. Mm. And their input has not been valued. How many Native leaders in this country can you name? Yeah. I would ask that of your listeners. Yeah. You know, I know some Native leaders, but they're not leaders that have names that are known across the cultures, you know, and, 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 even and even looking within uh, the Christian realm and, and and everything, there's not many native leaders that people can name, and that needs to change uh, because native people have something valuable to offer to everybody and to the church and to the what we call the sacred family, the body of Christ. So yes, calling God Creator and Great Spirit. Um, some people say, oh, you're just, you know, you're just dumbing it down. I said, well, you know, you might think that, but you weren't raised that way. <laughs> and, yeah. you, you know, you haven't been there in the places where we've read this. You know, before I even decided to do this whole project, um, I, I resisted this idea for about eight to, t- eight to nine years before I finally felt like, I really need to do this because of the feedback mm. I was getting. Because I was, I was experimenting with this way back, and my wife and I would travel and do music, and 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 then we would share this at tribal centers, at native churches, at non-native churches. We would share these little snippets of scripture, worded this way, and I had native elders come to me and say, "You say it in English, the way we think it in our language." Mm. They would say, "Keep it up." Yeah. Keep doing this. We need something like this. And others would say, what Bible were you reading from? I want to get that Bible. And so that kind of feedback was all that ma- that that mattered to me. And so uh, so th- those are, are, are some of the things, you know, the First Nation version. It's, it's not it wasn't me alone who did this. Right. I know that I was sort of the I'm the lead uh, interpreter or translator. Some people would say. Um, and the, the project manager, but but um, and, and envisioned this idea, but it was a whole group of Native people 
that we did this together. And I just want people to know that. Um, and, uh, and you can learn about that on our website and everything. But we, we really uh, want to, to let Native people make up their own mind about who Jesus is. And we feel like this can be a way to sort of decolonize mm. the scripture and, and de, this is a funny thing, de-Christianize. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, and, I and, get and, it. Don't take it. that wrong. Yeah. Um, in the sense of, of, of this Christianese language we've created that people don't really relate to. Yeah. And that has become words have become meaningless over the, over the years, and and they don't have the impact that the original languages intended them to have. Like sin, right? That's one of right. those words that we've we've sort of lost some of the meaning, or maybe it's been overused, and it may be helpful to remove that word not not in the sense of the concept but maybe there's a different way to understand it as missing the mark or breaking relationship or breaking shalom whatever it may be but you know what i what i really appreciated about reading it was the way that you translated names closer to how it described the person their actions their essence or even a group of people like rome being people of iron and um jesus as creator sets free you know that's how it is in the original hebrew right like when people read it that way they they understood that the person's name had a meaning like israel wrestling with god right or contending with god and in english it's like oh yeah that's just david right oh that's just that's just mary that's just herod and a whole world of meaning is lost. And I appreciated hearing it or, or reading it from a different perspective because it brought a different life to it. Right. And, and uh, amazingly, that's been probably uh, what people appreciated, both Native and non-Native people, the most is, is, is the translation of the names. And that actually is a translation. We, we went into the Hebrew and into the Greek and um, and really dug deep to get the meaning. And sometimes you can disagree about the meaning because the Hebrew root can go different directions. Of course. And, but we also gave it a little bit of a native feel to it. And in the few cases where there isn't a translation, <laughs> we made one up. Yeah, we have to sometimes. <laughs> and, People don't and, know that about the Bible. It happens more than you think. <laughs> right. And so, but we made that name up according to how it fit into the story. And, yeah. but amazingly, there's other names like Abraham, father of many nations. His very name is a part of the story and tell, helps tell the story. Mm -hmm. and, and that's true of, of, of course, of Jesus. You know, I, I love Peter. He stands on the rock, you know, uh, and that's what the name Jesus gave him. And that's a native practice too, is to get more than one name, mm. you know. Uh, often later in life, we, we might be given another name, uh, and and then it, but it has to do with what someone sees in you or sees as they seek the Creator, uh, as they see what Creator has planned for you and 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 put in you to give to others. Well, we see that throughout Scripture, right? Abraham, Abram to Abraham, Sarai to Sarah, uh, Jacob. Um, we see it even in Revelation with you're going to be given a new name right on the stone that only Absolutely. God knows, you know. So that's a that's a common thing. You know, one of the other the components of this that stood out was just the beauty of the language and how much how much creation was brought into it. And one place that stood out to me the most 
and this fits perfectly with Ruah space because we talk a lot about prayer and prayer practices, was in the Lord's Prayer, the way that you translated the line, give us this day our daily bread, and included animals and food and plants. Was that was that fun to sort of get into that prayer? Because it's, it's so beautiful and it brings in so much. It just, it felt life-giving to me to read it. And what was your experience with that? Can you walk us through that prayer a little bit? Oh, sure. You know, one of the one of the things, uh, you know, as as creator sets free Jesus, you know, his his followers were wanting him to give them a prayer. And what they want and what he gave them was a prayer about the kingdom or what we call the good road. So he says to walk this good road here. Here's what here's what how you should pray about that. And so uh, as we looked at daily bread, and you know, I I can't remember, I think on a Facebook post, somebody says, you didn't tr- translate that right from the Greek properly, it's the word for bread, and why aren't you translating that properly, this is, this is not a translation, and I'm, I'm going, well, if you understood what dynamic equivalence is, yeah. which is the kind of translation this is, you would understand that this, that what bread was to the people in Jesus' day, these things are to our people. Yeah. So we used, we used, uh, we thought about our, our geographically in, uh, in the Turtle Island, what we call the United States, different tribes have different uh, staples mm-hmm. uh, that their whole uh, natural life and spiritual life centers around. And so the elk, the buffalo, the salmon, Mm-hmm. Corn, the squash, the wild rice are, are all different aspects. Anishinaabe would be the wild rice for the, the the Northwest tribes. It would be the salmon. You know, the corn might be some of the Eastern tribes uh, um, and, and different things. And so we wanted to bring an equivalence across, but in a way that spoke more to our people in Tornado people. And, and it actually opens that scripture up even more for understanding what Jesus was talking about. It does. And I like that understanding of bread because it is about our our daily needs, what we need to survive today. You know, another one that jumped out to me, but also from the Sermon on the Mount, I think that's just obviously one of Jesus' central teachings was the Beatitudes. And the one that stood out to me because, man, it, it just was an instant smack to the heart and the head was the translation of what we normally would know as blessed are the, those who mourn for they will be comforted. And your translation was creator's blessing rests on those who walk a trail of tears for he will wipe the tears from their eyes and comfort them. And I understand obviously what that means, but I also just instantly thought of the historical event from a couple hundred years ago of what we believe maybe 60,000 or so native people being brought from the Southeast and forced West of the Mississippi river. And just the horror of that trail of tears. Was that, was that in mind in, in writing that? Cause I, I feel like it had to be in some way. Yes, of course it was. And, and we, you know, we didn't, uh, we wanted to make sure the tribe that's most closely associated with the word trail of tears is the Cherokee people. But there were many other tribes that were, you know, with the Cherokee, the Choctaw, the Chickasaw, many other, um, uh, the Creek um, were were removed. 
And these were, this was the removal. <clears throat> and what's interesting to me is, is um, I've heard different stories from Cherokee people. I've met the Cherokee people who still mourn today. You know, I've, I've been to those sites where, where, where they died, where they crossed this great river. And I've been there and I've, I've met with the, the people coming and honoring their ancestors and, the, and those who, who perished there. And one of them told me, you know why we call this the Trail of Tears? He says, because we remember that, that there were people that came and watched the soldiers that were not native, that watched the soldiers marching us and they cried. Mm. And so it was a memory that that helped them to understand that this was a government policy that was being enforced and not all people were in agreement with this policy. But people that were in disagreement didn't have the power or the authority to stop it, you know. Um, but yes, uh, we were thinking about many trails of tears, but that's one that sticks out that all Native people remember and know that wording, but the idea is he will wipe the tears from their eyes and comfort them. In some of our native cult cultures, we have after a mourning, after the death of a relative um, and, or a friend, and when the mourning's done, you have a wiping of the tears ceremony. Okay. And he will wipe the tears from their eyes mm. and comfort them. So there's a lot of things in here that people uh, won't necessarily know it's being connected to different aspects of our native people, even though this isn't tribally intended to be tribally specific. We have over 250 different unique languages spoken by our peoples, you know, and, and, and even more dialects that are spoken. But um, so we use uh, some general terms that are known across the board in this translation, like even calling uh, God, the, calling him creator and great spirit, one above us all. These, these are just general ways that native people have come to uh, understand the supreme being and to reference the supreme being. It's, it's, it's a beautiful way to understand it. And I think there's an invitation there for people who may pick up this translation, maybe as you invited me in the beginning to say to go to, to local sites and places where we can learn more. And I'm certainly going to do that with my, with my two young boys, because I know for me, I didn't learn kind of the more real history until I was in high school. I mean, and that's shocking for me to say now, because I can't believe that it took until I was, you know, able to drive nearly an adult to actually learn what happened in our history. And yes. in America now, the church is beginning to open on some levels to uh, Black Lives Matter and other justice and, and, and racial justice movements. But I still feel like the native component of our history and the injustice still isn't being heard and hasn't been addressed. And one of the things we invite people to do, and we've brought, we've brought someone on to talk about Black Lives Matter and such, is just the beginning to listen. So how might we begin as, as you know, most of the listeners to this podcast are probably, you know, North American, European of, of white ancestry. We, we have some, some people of color and such. I don't know how many Native folks might be listening. So for the majority of us, 
I guess we're, 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 and I know obviously we don't have all, we should have hours and days and months and, you know, to talk about this, but where can we sort of start to, to learn about this? How do we listen well? What, what does the church need to do? Well, the, the church needs to begin to respect Native people, but beyond, and, and respect the fact that there's a history that has been covered up. Yeah. And so until the, until the church, churches can own up, and some have, can own up to this bad history that their ancestors were part of, you know, and that people today are still being affected by. Yeah. Okay, so begin educating our, yourselves. Begin, read some books written by Native people about what happened and learn from their perspective. Learn to listen and, and, and not, and try, work on not defending yourself or defending the past, but actually saying, wow, um, this happened and I didn't know. So many people, yeah. my wife and I traveled for 10 years and, and, and spoke about these things in churches. And, and most of the time people were just ignorant, right. they had no idea. And, and, and they don't know what to do with it because it seems overwhelming. Actually, I wrote a book about it. I, uh, it that book can be gotten, uh, also be found on Amazon. It's, it's um, called, uh, interestingly enough, Sign Language. It's a look at the historic and prophetic landscape of America. Mm. And Jesus says, told his people of his day, you don't understand the signs of the times you're in. Well, we have signs of the times we're in right now that may relate clear back to the deepest root of injustice in this land. The deepest root is with our native people. We're the original inhabitants of this land. We're the host people of this land. And we've been relegated and pushed aside, out of sight, out of mind, put on reservations, and then, you know, just kind of... Uh, ignored in school curriculums and all those different things i see it changing in places but but i think there needs to be a a greater reckoning um to come and and uh, so we have there's a lot of native believers in jesus who have written some really good books about this mark charles unsettling truths um is a great he's 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 navajo a good friend of mine um, also with InterVarsity Press, uh, it published the book. And so Native voices need to be heard. And then you don't say, you don't, the, the people who were the, are the descendants of those who did these bad things, um, don't need, they need to not try to fix it their way. They need to ask the Native people, what's the best way to fix this? Yeah. Is there a way to fix this? What can we do instead of saying, here's what we're going to do. Yeah. And you need to accept it yeah. because that's the way it's always been, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's some of the things that I would say. It takes humility. Mm -hmm. One of the attributes of the Holy spirit. Yeah. There was already one creator sets free, right? We, we win and I'm not it. We're not it. Right. And uh, I mean, I, I was shocked, for example, to learn that, uh, you know, the in 1978 was when the native people were finally granted religious freedom right and yeah that, I'm, I'm almost that old i mean that's hard that so basically nearly in my lifetime and you think about the history of this issue 
how recent. So, so we're not even only going back hundreds of years. We're going back 40 years. And with the boarding schools, um, I've talked to people just last week in Michigan who attended boarding school. Wow. Um, and in, in my, this was in Michigan. Um, and I, I, a friend of mine, Warren Petoskey, who's, uh, who's Lakota and Odawa, he's written a book called Dancing My Dream. And he talks about that area of Michigan and all the boarding school experiences. He interviewed the people who experienced that. And that history goes back 35 to 50 years. Wow. You know, I, I was alive, you know, and in a nation that brags and boasts about their religious freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, it was religious freedom for Christians, but it wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't religious freedom for Native people or for African Americans, you know. And so uh, that needs to be owned up to. And I'm glad you brought that up because that's a kind of a, uh, a it's just something that doesn't fit together uh, with who this nation it claims to be. Yeah, you know. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, you know, in, in Acts, one of the headlines that is translated is a new family is formed. And I love thinking about that because, you know, when I look at the Tower of Babel, for example, we often think of that event as a curse. I actually think it was a blessing. God was saying, I don't want you all to be one people in one language. You, you go and become different cultures and different languages and experience the world in different ways and learn from each other's stories. So then at Pentecost, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit, everyone can hear in their own language, but they are communicating with each other. And this is that new family that is formed. And we've you've, you've mentioned about listening and, and learning from others. What, and again, I apologize for such a huge question because there's no way justice can possibly be done to it. But if we are all in Christ, what does that look like for one family to be formed again where everyone's actually welcome at the table? How can, how can churches that predominantly white, how can we make steps to invite others to the table? And what does it look like to actually be one body today? Are there steps we can take? Well, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a hard question to answer because when you look at, at Christianity today, and you see that we're divided up into into hundreds of denominations and hundreds of groups that may agree partially on things, but right. disagree with all these different things. And all of them see see our Creator in a little different way. All of them understand the gospel with different nuances and different things enough to say, "I'm I'm this and I'm not that." Right. You know. So we're in a world that's already divided, already broken up. Even Christianity has modeled the breaking up of the world. And if you think about it, early in the history of the United States, the way that this country defeated our native people was through dividing us up. Mm -hmm. You know, dividing us up and and separating us and, and, you know, turning one tribe against another uh promising this tribe if you do these things and fight with us against this tribe we'll do this and that and so all this all this i believe in that there's a principle uh that jesus talked about of of sowing and reaping in other words what we do has lasting consequences 
even sometimes beyond our own lifetimes in the way it affects others. And eventually those, those things come back to haunt us and they, they form our understanding of the world in, in ways that the creator never wanted the world to be understood. And so we need to uh, be willing to humble ourselves and admit how divided we are. And actually, I one of the gifts that Native people have is we we always had intertribal gatherings. We still do today. We bring the tribes together. We don't force another tribe to believe exactly like this tribe, but we share our faith and our spiritual ways with one another so that and, and, and the other one tribe, I you know, when I lived among the Hopis, I went to a buffalo dance. Now, the Hopis don't have buffaloes. I asked them, where'd this dance come from? They said, well, you know, the some people came from where they had a buffalo dance and taught us the, this dance, and we incorporated it <laughs> yeah. because we thought it was a good thing. And, and uh, so these spiritual ways need to be uh, presented so that people can weigh them properly and let the spirit of creator be the one who convinces rather than you know just arguments and and uh i'm right and you're wrong kind of approaches so maybe it really is at least to start as simple as jesus being willing to eat with everybody right i mean he was just at the table everyone was invited learning the stories not coming in to fix it but being willing to read authors go and learn from local people going and sort of just opening ourselves to be affected by quote unquote the other to see their face yeah uh, if you will go to powwows.com okay find out where your local powwow is and when it's going to be and go visit the powwow mm. and go learn and talk to the participants and talk to the 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 artisans there and the different people but when you go go respectfully and follow the rules there don't take your camera and take pictures without permission don't yeah. don't run out or let your kids run out into the circle where they dance that's sacred space that you mm. that, that needs to be respected and and uh so you know you just you learn some of the powwow rules and you you can download download those online pdfs of powwow protocols and all these kinds of things but go and learn you know i ask people all the time have you ever been to a powwow if they're non-native yeah most people say no right why not yeah. that's a good place to start yeah and because well yeah it returns again to satan is the divider right we we when when someone or something is shoved outside of our periphery then we don't have to see. It can be an object, right. a label, a name. But when all of a sudden it's flat, I mean, that's why God incarnated. And, and I think you got, you translate as moved the sacred tent, right? <laughs> into, you know, or say, Eugene Peterson would say moved into the neighborhood to put flesh and blood on it so, so that it's real. And so maybe we just need to spend some more time together as a start. Well, another thing too, is not to confuse your brand of Christianity with um what christianity really is mm -hmm. okay because we, we often present our brand and then we expect the people that we're talking to 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 be branded like us yeah okay and 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 so we just need to be humble enough to admit that you know there's many different expressions of 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 the jesus way of christianity now native people that that would be given the freedom 
from church people to be different, to do church different, to, you know, we, you know, maybe we don't want to sit in, in square rows staring at the back of people's heads. Maybe yeah. we'd rather sit in a, in a circle and see each other's faces and take turns talking instead of having one person do all the talking and all these things. People don't understand today how enculturated Christianity in America already is. It, yeah. it has nothing to do with the Bible. Mm-hmm. It just has to do with cultural practices and business practices and all these things. And give them, give Native people the, the respect to be to do it differently than than they would do it yeah you know i'll never forget when my wife and i lived in malawi and church services started an hour late and ran for three hours and there was constant dancing and clapping and and just it it was such a life-giving way something you may not always see in our churches but was uh equally worshiping of of jesus and so I, i think that's a good word and i'm grateful for it well, Terry, you know, I, I want to honor your time. I, I wish we could have talked about music because I know that you're, you're a musician and you you have some great music out there. Maybe, maybe just two minutes because I, I don't want to take all your time, but I'd be doing a disservice if we didn't take a little space for that. Well, this First Nation version came out of years and years of, of my wife and I traveling and living on the Hopi res with very traditional people and then traveling and learning about all the different tribal heritages. And through this experience, uh, I be, we began to write songs together. And these songs were, were intended to be a bridge music uh, that bridges the cultures and brings a little bit on both sides together. And so we, we created this music and the lyrics um, blend a little bit of a native way of talking with a, the, the standard Christian way of talking. Sometimes we use creator, sometimes we use Lord which uh, yeah. doesn't relate to us very much, but but we understand that to relate to non-native people, we have to say words like that sometimes. Sure. But but um, so we, we created this music and what's interesting too is the precursor to this translation was a CD that we did called The Great Story from the Sacred Book. Mm. And it's, it's, it's from creation to Christ. That was the beginning of this idea. And that has been our bestseller online people like uh, like that the best and i have native friends who put their kids to bed every night with parts of that story you know so yes go to our website to find our music you can listen to it all there uh, from bandcamp uh, go to firstnationsversion.com or go to rainsongmusic.com it takes you to the same place you know and uh, you can learn more you can learn more about the translation why we did it who did it how you know we're involved with the Bible translation organization? How how many Native people were involved in in uh, with input into this? So all, you know we just invite people to uh, to visit there and learn and 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 you can find links to other places too. Absolutely. Well, we'll put links to that in the description below. So if someone's interested, they can find links to the website to the book uh, just right below this episode wherever you're listening to it. Well, Terry, what is a final word of encouragement or challenge or invitation that you might offer? Well, let me read from John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, just two verses as an invitation. He says he's talking to his followers on the night before he was leaving them. He's going to die and be crucified. And he gives them these words. He says, I am giving you a new road to walk. 
in the same way I have loved you, you are to love each other. This kind of love will be the sign for all people that you are walking the road with me. So the invitation is let's learn to love each other better. And, and loving is, is much more than just a romantic feeling or a positive feeling. Love actually learns how to listen and hear and, and, and feel with other people to take on their burden as your own burden. Sometimes uh, love goes beyond uh, just uh mere acknowledgement or friendship it it's a it's a deep thing uh from from our creator and I, I would invite everyone to to go to a powwow get to know our native people but don't go expecting to tell them your story go and listen to their story amen that's a good word terry Thank you for your time. This was an absolute honor. It's something I'd really been looking forward to. I'm, I'm sad the time is over because I could keep talking to you forever, but I appreciate it. And I highly encourage people to go check out those links below. Terry, thank you again so much. Miigwech Thank you for listening. Hey friends, Phil here again. Thank you so much for joining us in today's episode. Once again, I can't highly recommend enough going and checking out the links in the description below. Go listen well, go learn, go experience the powwows that might be in your area. And then friends, if you did enjoy this interview episode and you've been blessed by Rua Space, I would also encourage you to check out the link in the description below to our Patreon page, where for just a few dollars a month, you can help support the Rua Space podcast, as well as gain access to some really cool exclusive content, including live events. We have exclusive podcasts and blog posts, and we even do special series there, such as exploring Revelation and experiencing Psalm 23. So go check all that out below friends. And thank you again for being with us here today. Until next time, grace and peace be with you. <music>